Father, we thank you because we are chosen by you. We thank you for our adoption into God's family. We thank you because we are accepted before God. We thank you because our sins are forgiven us. We thank you for the insights that we have into your will. And we thank you for the eternal inheritance that we have in Christ. We thank you for the seal of the Holy Spirit. We bless your name for the mercy and love that we receive. We thank you for the divine wisdom and the knowledge of Christ that is working in us. Thank you for the same power that was wrought in Christ that is also at work in us. Thank you for giving us spiritual life. Thank you because we are heavenly citizens. Thank you for the access that we have to God through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the art imprint of the law. Thank you for the personal relationship that we now have with God. By the reason of the sacrifice of Jesus, thank you for the personal knowledge of God that we have now as believers in Christ Jesus. Thank you for eternal forgiveness. Thank you for the pardon that we have. We give God glory because Jesus gives us this privilege. Glory be to your name, Father. Accept thanks in Jesus' name. And with this understanding, we pray that our eyes of understanding be enlightened again tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray that our heart have the right reception for the word of God. And we thank you because we are not doer of the word and not hearer alone. We give you all praise. I submit to you, Holy Spirit of God, that you speak your word through me. And your word bring life to your people and bring performance in their life. Thank you, Father. Glory be to God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Shall we jump our hands together for the Lord? I call you blessed. I call you blessed, and that is whom you are. You are not less than that. You are the blessed of the Lord. Amen. We have been talking about expounding the book of Hebrews. Several subtopics we have taken in this subject. And um, the, the one we are currently treating is superiority of the new covenant the superiority of the new covenant and we have decided to study from that chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews and I remember that last week I told you that the book of Hebrews chapter 8 is um, divided into four parts and the first part is chapter one to chapter, verse one rather to verse five, which is our introduction, and verse six, which serves as a, as the means at the central theme or the central thesis of that book, and verses seven to twelve gives the evidence to the to substantiate the theme of the book of Hebrews eight. And verse 13 serves as the conclusion of that book. Praise the name of the Lord. And um, we've made mention of 
the uh, what makes Christ and his work superior to the Old Testament priesthood. I think I that is where we are. What makes uh, Christ and his work superior to the Old Testament priesthood? And I said number one is the fact that the, the Christ sacrifice is superior in the access it provides. In the access it provides. Amen. I think from that to, to explain that I give us Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. Then I move on to give us some spiritual benefits that we have as believers. And I mentioned about 13 of it. It's more than 13, but I just speak it at random from the scripture to give us about 13. I said, number one, we are chosen by God. That is one, that's the number one benefit. I said, we are chosen by God. I said, we are adopted into God's family. We are accepted before God. That is divine acceptance. Then forgiveness of sin, insight into God's will. We have an eternal inheritance. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit. That is the NS Holy Spirit as a guarantee and a surety of our of our own of his ownership because he owns us and he has sealed us with his spirit. Then I said that we have God, God mercy and love, all this by one sacrifice. We will get all of this. Then we have the wisdom and the knowledge of God, divine power, spiritual life, heavenly citizenship, access to God through Christ. Amen. Then I remember that I told us that all of this under um, the access that the sacrifice of Christ provide. Amen. Then I said there are four provisions of the new covenant. You remember that I talked about that last week, right? Four provisions of the new covenant from that from the book of um, Hebrews chapter 10 verses, Hebrews 8 rather, verses 10 to 12. Hebrews Hebrews 8, 10 to 12 then we can also find it the prophecy in Jeremiah 31 31-34 that, that was the prophecy but the fulfillment of that prophecy you find it in Hebrews 8-10-12 to 12. Amen so one of the provisions that the new covenant made is the, is the art imprint I call it art imprint all these provisions I put them together by myself praise God so I said art imprint that is the law is now written in our heart it's no more on a tablet. It's no more on a tablet. It's now written on our heart. Amen. Then I said number two, we have personal relationship with God. That's another provision of the new covenant. We have personal relationship with God. Then number three, I said we have personal knowledge of God. All of this, I pick it from that book of Hebrews chapter 8. Amen. Then the last one, we have eternal pardon. Eternal pardon. Amen. Praise God. Let's move to number two uh, superiority that Christ have over Old Testament priesthood. Number one, we said Christ's sacrifice is superior in the access it provides. And number two now, Christ's sacrifice is superior in its acceptableness. In its acceptableness. 
that's number two. You can open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. It says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place, that is, the heavenly tabernacle, once and for all. I'm, I'm going to read that scripture again, and I want us to, I want you to follow it. Amen. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, that is, the heavenly tabernacle, once and for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. Redemption is from the Greek word apolytrosis. Amen. Hmm. I remember years ago when I write these scriptures. You know, I told you, you know, the way we were brought up, we are used to the Old Testament text. We like Old Testament text. We love the story of um, of um, the, the story of Joshua. We love the story of Moses. We want to use the deliverance of, of, um, of Israelite out of Egypt as a prayer point, you know, so that we can get our own deliverance. We like the story of the Shunammite woman and all of that, you know, from the Old Testament. We preach strongly from it. But we don't understand the New Testament. I'm talking about those times. We don't really have the understanding of the New Testament. So anytime we read the New Testament, it's actually boring. You know, it's boring anyway. Those times, you know, we use the mentality of the Old Testament to interpret the New Testament, and we bring all our problems into it. We want it to address, you know, we want to force the Old Test, the New Testament, to address our situations. Amen. The Scripture is complete on its own. It's complete on its own. You can't add to it. You can't remove from it. You can't, you can't force it to attend to what it should not. Amen. But years back, when my eyes opened, and I started studying the New Testament, I'm not talking about the, I'm not talking about the extension of the Old Testament now. You know, we have the extension of the Old Testament. We have the Matthew, Luke, uh, Mark and John, they are extension of the Old Testament. They are not part of the New Testament. Because there is no uh, New Testament without the shedding of the blood of the testator. So until the blood was shed, we don't have the New Testament. Amen. The New Testament must, the Testament must be established on the blood. Amen. So the New Testament was established on the blood of Jesus. And that was when the New Testament started. Praise God. So when I study the New Testament, so if I say New Testament in this context now, you should know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the 
Matthew, Matthew, Luke, and John, uh, John and uh, Mark. You know, I read this scripture that I just read. I, I, I studied it. I'm like, Jesus entered the most holy place. Where is the most holy place? Where? Where did Jesus enter? I'm asking, can somebody tell me where? To give us eternal redemption. Anybody? Uh, I need somebody now. You don't know? I've said it before now. When I said you didn't get it, okay, I will try and explain that today by the grace of God. I will explain it that today. I will give you details of because the Bible says that when God told Moses about the how to build the tabernacle, He said He gave him to follow the type. That was in heaven. Amen. So he followed the type that was in heaven. So every time the priest goes into the into the tabernacle, there is a place called Holy of Holies. You know, the tabernacle is divided into three. So the holies of holies, only the high priest goes there. And he enters there once in a year to sacrifice for the sin of himself and the sin of everyone. Praise God. And in that tabernacle, holies of holies, there is an ark called the ark of covenant, which typifies the presence of God. It typified the presence of God. God was boxed there. Don't forget that today, God is not boxed. God, is, God lives in the inside of us. We are the tabernacle now. Amen. Jesus did a lot for us, brethren. He did a lot. You remember, on the cross of Calvary, when the cutting of the temple pieces into two, what happened? What that signify is that God has stepped out of where they box in. Because you have only one place to meet God. You can't pray anywhere. You must come to a tabernacle. That is where you believe that the presence of God is tabernacle. Are you following me now? So they cut him pieces into two. And that gives access. That gives access that everyone, everyone who believes 
in Christ can access God without any man. Unfortunately, some people say access God to man today. Because we want to access God through what we can see. Some people still access God through objects today. Through things they can see. And that was the Old Testament system. They need to attach, they need to see the heart. They need to see the mercy seat. They need to see the bread. When they see all of that, they believe that God is present to answer their prayers. Are you following me now? But today, you don't need to see anything. You don't need to see Goya Hall. You don't need to see, you know, one of the things that they do in those days. The high priest, I'm going to teach this, don't worry. I'm just going to go there when I get back to my notes. The high priest will not enter into the holies, holy of holies without an incense. So smoke of an incense must be flowing. But don't forget that today some, some churches still do incense. Praise God. Let me follow my notes so that I can cover a lot. Anytime I didn't follow notes, I will just digress and digress and digress. Hallelujah. So the Bible says in Hebrews 9.12, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, that is the heavenly tabernacle, once and for all. How many times did he enter? How many times did he enter? Will he still enter another time? Why did he enter? Offer a sacrifice. For what? For sins, right? For our sins. Our past sins. Okay. Our present. For past, present, and future. How many of us believe that Christ did that? You believe. You believe. But if you believe that, if you believe that, why can't you believe in eternal security? Why don't you believe in eternal security? Okay, maybe if I, because I put this as eternal security, people, some people don't understand it like that. Let me put it in the normal language that people like to hear it. Why don't you believe in one saved, forever saved? Why? Do you believe in eternal security? Do you believe that your salvation can be undone? Do you? That something can something can just undo your salvation and you become an unbeliever again? Praise God. That is not where we are going today. Let us um, move on to that because I have a lot of things to cover today. God's helping me. Hallelujah.
So in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it took it takes the high priest bringing two goats. One goat as a scapegoat and the other one as as an atonement for your sin. A temporary atonement for your sin. You offer the two goats one, the scapegoat carry your sin, you know, it will carry the sin of the people, and they will take that goat into the wilderness where they will not see the goat again. Believing that the goat are taking away the sin of the people for a period of one year. Are you following me? For a period of one year. But the second goat will cover up the sin of the people. We cover it up. And God will be fine for that period of one year. It appeased the anger of God for one year. But look at what Jesus did. So it means that within that one year period, they continue sinning. But God will not look at their sin. Will not look at their sin. Because they have offered a temporary appease to God. A temporary sacrifice that appeased the anger of God. Let me show you something in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. It will surprise you. Brother, let me show you something. Hebrews 10 let me read from verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. Listen carefully. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the, the commas year unto perfect. Look at it all. What God wanted is perfection. What God wanted, what God wanted is to consistently see his own children only. The perfection there is talking about holiness. Being holy. Are you following me now? Now, the holiness that we are talking about is a person. Righteousness. Holiness is a person and is the person of Christ, not you. The reason why we say you are righteous or holy is the fact that Christ lives in the inside of you. Are you getting what I'm saying now? That is why we say you are righteous. And that is why we say that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. 
Are you following now? Okay. Can you see what Hebrews 10 1 says? Let us read verse 2. For then will they not have ceased to be offered. No, we are talking about sacrifice, this offering of goats offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. When the animal is offered, then the conscience of sin shouldn't be in you anymore. That was the intention of God. That was what God wants. God does not want us to, to have the, the, the conscience. He wants us to be Jesus is conscious and not sin conscious. He does not want us to be condemned. He does not want us to be inferior before him. You can see the intention. I'm just teaching you the intention of God now from the Bible, Abby. Just what God wanted. That's what I'm showing you. Okay. Verse 3 says, But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again of what? Made of sin every year. Ha. God does not want this. God does not want to be seen, seen again at all. But when these goats, when these goats are offered, God is still seeing sin in man. God is still seeing unrighteousness in man. But because the blood of animal has been offered, which typifies the blood of Christ, because it has been offered, God said, well, I manage. Not that I'm pleased, but well, I have promised. It's out of my own promise that when the blood of animals and calves, goat and calves is offered, I will overlook, I will condone you for one year. It is a condone because atonement is a temporary sacrifice. It's not a permanent cleansing. Are you following me now? Atonement is a. Th- I will. Sh- I will still show you the um, Hebrew word for atonement and what it means. Praise God. Now let us look at verse four. Said for it is not possible. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goat should take away. Away. Can you see that? So, the primary mind of God, the intention of God, is that sin should be taken away. Am I communicating now? Am I speaking my word? I think I'm interpreting the Bible. And I'm, I think I'm interpreting it good, right? Okay. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, When he cometh, who is that he? He said, Sacrifice and offer 
thou wouldest not, but a body. In other words, you don't want sacrifice of animals, of bulls and goats, but you needed a body. It says, as thou prepared, can somebody read New King James for me? Or any other version? Verse 1. Okay, go ahead. Yes. You did, God did not desire it, but you have prepared a body for me. You had no pleasure. Do you hear what I said? God did not want all these incense that we were burning. God did not want all these animals we were killing every year. It pissed God off. God needed people that He will see and see righteousness in them consistently. Are you following me now? But before that can happen, before that can happen, the blood of a saint must be shed. Are you following? The blood of a saint, the blood that have not tasted sin, must be shed. How will that be possible? When all men come from Adam, we have all fallen short. We have all seen. There is no man that come through Adam that have not seen by inheritance. We inherit it. It was an inheritance. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So, that was the reason why God used in his wisdom decided to send a spirit to overshadow Mary. I'm just trying to jump so that we can move on. Overshadow Mary. So Mary could conceive of the Holy Ghost. So there was no intercourse between man and woman to have Jesus. And the blood of Mary did not touch the blood of Jesus. Biologically, the blood of the mother does not touch the blood of the child. Are you following me now? So, when Jesus came to the world, he came holy. He came holy. Of course, he have tendencies to sin. He have tendencies to sin because he was tempted. He even said it. He said, the prince of this world came to me and find no sin in me. And find nothing in me. That nothing is sin. Because accuser of brethren came to accuse them. The Bible says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our infirmities. For he was tempted at all points as we are. As we are receiving temptation today. He said he also received temptation yet without sin. So he didn't commit sin. So the blood of a saint is needed to bring, to make man look good before God eternally. Those people that believe in the sacrifice. Are you following me now? But in the Old Testament, 
God. You know, the sacrifice of bulls and goats is an act of love from God. Because God loved man so much. He does not want to let go of them. So, he has to devise a means of still having them as his people. Then, he make them by his own will. He make them to sacrifice animals so that yearly they can look good before him. But that, is, that was not the intention of God. That was not what God needed. Let's move on with that scripture. Behold, I have come in the volume of the book that is written of me. Can you see? In the volume of the book that is written of me to do your will, O God. Go on. Now, what is that will there? Because Jesus Christ said, He has come in the volume of those things that have been written concerning Him to do the will of the Father. If you want to get the will, follow me contextually. God said, He doesn't want sacrifices and offerings, consistent offerings, yearly offerings. He doesn't want it. But he said he has prepared a body so that that body will be sacrificed to make people look good forever. So, the will of God there is to take away sin. Are you following now? I'm trying to divide that scripture to you. I should have been explaining verse 10, chapter 10, because we're in chapter 8. But the part of the question that I asked you, you want to clear your mind. That was why I'm trying to Use that verse 10 to clear your. I go, go on. Previously saying, go on. God didn't desire it. God didn't have pleasure in those sacrifices all the time. All the time. All the time. He doesn't like it. Go on. To the Lord. He now said, Behold. I have come to do your will, O oh God. The first, those sacrifices of the Old Testament, they become obsolete and he established the new covenant. They will become sanctified through the body of Jesus Christ. Once. Wrong. That was the intention of God. <laughs> When I read that place, I said, wow. That was the intention of God. So that we can be sanctified. We can be holy. We can be set apart once and for all. So that we, there will not be offerings anymore. So, how many times will Jesus offer himself for your sins? <laughs> but when I say once, it's once. He won't come and offer himself anymore. No. It's once. It's clear in the Bible. And let me tell you something. This, the deep revelation of the new covenant is found in Hebrews. The deep revelation, if you want to get the, the deep revelation of the new covenant, go and understand the book of Hebrews. And that was why I'm trying to take my time to divide this book of Hebrews to you. 
revelation. Deep revelation. One of the books that everybody have cracked their brain to know the author. <laughs> they don't know the author. But that book is telling you. Telling you. It's just the index of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Is somebody blessed with that? Bro, do you get what I just said? There are other scriptures to establish this in laws. At least from the New Testament, we can get up to nothing, not, not less than 50 scriptures. 50 that establish that our salvation is with for all. Do we have act of sin? Yes. Do we have act of sin? Yes. Do we have the nature of sin? No. The nature of sin, God reckoned with. We have the act of sin. As a matter of fact, you know, anytime I am talking about this act of sin and nature of sin, most especially among the religious people, People who are religious. You know, when you find people who are so religious, who are so dogmatic about religion, the question I ask them is, how say, please, be sincere. And uh, most of the time, most of them lie. Or a few of them want to do holier than thou. And I don't like the holier than thou people. <laughs> when I see holier than thou people, I stay clear. Say, go your way. Go your way. Those people that are holier than Jesus. Eh? Now, what I ask them is, have you ever committed any sin in the last one week? When you mention sin, holier hmm? than thou people categorize it. They put it in category. Fornication adultery. Ah, the height of sin. Um, rob- robbery. Ah, next level. Little, little lies. <laughs> Hello? The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Either big or small. I don't know. I don't, mean I don't categorize sin. But I know sin is sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. It's a legal matter. It is a legal matter. In the court of law, when you break the law, this is the law. This is the judgment. Immediately you break it. This is the judgment. But that scripture didn't end there. It now went on to say, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. The wages of sin is dead. But you did not die because he gave you eternal life. That is the meaning of that scripture. You didn't die again because he has given you eternal life. Yes, you have acts of sin. Which, am I encouraging you to be having acts of sin? No. You know, the more, the more you get matured, the more you learn of Christ, the more you learn of Christ, the more you 
grow out of those acts of sin. Can you see that? So, growing out of acts of sin has to do with your maturity in Christ. You get that? You understand that? And it, because when you grow more, more grace is made available for you. And that is the reason why we focus on spiritual growth here. We focus more on teaching you things that will make you grow up. Because we know that in the growing up, you have grown the act of sin. And that was exactly what Brother Paul, no, sorry, sorry, the author of Hebrews was doing to the Hebrews. Because the Hebrews were circumventing their conversion. So he was trying to let them know the superiority of Christ. He was preaching Christ to them. He was letting them know the superiority of Christ over everything that they believed in before. Are you following now? So that when they learn of Christ, they will have forgotten act of sin. They will have forgotten those things that they, they have left behind. And that is the way how to make people grow. Preaching sin to people will not make them grow. Since they've been preaching sin, those years, eh? does it make people not to sin? Does it make people not to sin? Are you following me, brother? It makes people not to sin. Since they've been preaching sin, sin seriously, you know, when you commit sin, the wages of sin is dead. And fire awaits you when you sin. The wages of sin is dead. They didn't complete the rest. They didn't tell you, but the way what the gift of God is a gift. Righteousness is a gift. You don't work for it. <laughs> that is the good part of it. It is a gift. You don't work for it. You don't you don't you don't earn it. You, don't, you earn what you work for. Right? If you go to work, at the end of the month, your salary is your entitlement. Because you have worked for it. But you are at your house and a company decides to come and pay you salary. You don't call salary. It will call a gift. They give you a gift. Do you deserve it? You don't deserve it. Because you are at your house. That's what Jesus Christ did. We are on our own. In our messy situation. In our helpless. We were so helpless. We were so helpless. In fact, no one would assist. In our death state, He came to give us His life. So He made His life to awaken us. Then we are, we become awakened. The spiritual life. Can you see that? You didn't do anything to have that. He did all for it. So it's a gift. So, and if it's a gift, you enjoy it. Hallelujah. You enjoy it. It's not meant to be abused. You enjoy it. It's a gift. Somebody say it's a gift. Say, I received it. Say, I received it. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Wow. 
So let's see the book of um, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. 1 John 2 verse 2. You can read, please. Use microphone to read. 1 John 2 to see. And he himself. And he himself is the propitiation for our sin. Is the Elasmus. Is the Elasmus. That is, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Go on. And not for us only. Not for only those of us who have believed, but also for the whole world. But also for the world. Can now, you see that? Hold on. You know, I preach gospel. And when I preach gospel, I tell an unbeliever, I said, Jesus has sacrificed for your sins. The reason why you are still in it is because you have not believed. Jesus is not going to for, for a new convert. Somebody who believes, who, who, who preach gospel to an unbeliever, to an atheist, for an instance, and he believes Christ. Does it mean that Christ just died for him? Does it mean that Christ died for him that day? No. The death of Christ, eh, of over 2,000 years ago, cleanses that brother. That, uh, that work of atonement for his sin had happened on the cross and when Christ resurrected. But the reason why that brother is carrying what does not belong to him, eh? the reason why he's carrying it is because maybe there was there's nobody to tell him that somebody had died for your sin. Or maybe somebody has told you, but he disbelieved it. Can you see that? Immediately he believed it. Because gospel is that Jesus had died for the sin of the world. So it is the sin of the past, of the present, and of the future. Are you following? Are you getting the message? So when the brother believed now, he believed in what has been done in the finished work of Christ. So he, his eyes just open to take hold of what belongs to him. Salvation is our inheritance, is the inheritance of the whole world. Are you getting me? Redemption is the inheritance of the whole world. But is given to only those that believed it and take it. Can you see? So, salvation is made available for everyone. So, and that was why that's First John 2, 2 says, not for our sin only, but also for the whole world. Can you see that? Is that my statement? Maybe I just explain what the Bible says. But am I teaching good? Is that explaining correctly? Praise God. 
read this read that scripture again. Verse 2 says, and him, him himself is the propitiation of our sins. Is the propitiation for our sin and not for us only. And not for us only, but also for the whole world. And but also for the whole world. Is that it? Is that as simple as it's simple enough, right? Yeah. The person who is talking there is born again. And he's talk is at he's talking to people who are born again. Do you get what I'm saying now? So he was telling them that well, Jesus had propitiation for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of those that you see in the world, because we are not of the world. Are you hearing me? You are not. If you ever see yourself as of this world, you are making a whole lot of mistakes. That means that you have not been awakened to your new man, to your new birth in Christ. Amen. If you are awakened to your new birth in Christ, you will have the consciousness that you belong to Zion. You have come to Zion. That is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 22. You have come to Zion, the city of the Lord. That is where you are. You are an heavenly citizen. You are an heavenly citizen. You are not of this world. Though you live here, but the real you, the real you, because this body you see is just a housing. Because you cannot exist on this earth without that body. God cannot exist on earth without a body. You know what I say? God cannot exist on earth without a body. And that is the reason why God decided to make us. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? So God made manifest in the world through you because He indwells you. And that is the reason why. That's uh, uh, I think Second Corinthians there about that, that talked about the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Romans, Romans what? Eight nineteen. Thank you. So the manifestation of the sons of God, that is the manifestation of humanity, that is mixed with divinity. Can you see that? Because we're at your at, at your at salvation. The reason why you are called the son of God is because divinity divinity marries you as humanity. You can say now. So the, the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of God through you. God wants to find expression through you. Are you getting to you now? There is, there is 
bubbling, a rocking going on in your in the inside of you. It is the rocking of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not comfortable the way out is resonant in the inside of you without having full potential. Without having without maximizing its potential. Because its potential is unlimited. Are you following? So it wants to find expression through you. But most of the time, our body suppressed him. How many of us have gotten to a point before that you are so engrossed? You are so engrossed that you feel like you want to bust. Huh? You, are, you become so engrossed. As a matter of fact, after you, you manage to get yourself back, you feel pains in the whole of your body. I mean, what I've the pains that you feel in your body is because you subject that body. You put that body under punishment. The spirit of God in the inside of you. Huh? Try to point in time they are the undiarable when you are engrossed they are the undiarable because most of the time fear is what makes us to you know suppress that spirit the spirit wants to do exploits in the inside of you the spirit wants to do exploits in the inside of you the spirit wants to do exploits from your within. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Thank you almighty. This is an empowerment ground. This is not a class for, for religious people. Are you following me? No. This class is not for religious people. This class is for serious minded believers. Who want to experience God. You know. You cannot, you cannot make people experience God. When you are put fear in them. Huh? When you have made them to think that they have a God who is, is colder. When you make them feel that they have a God who dodged somewhere. Like last man in Lagos. <laughs> last man in Lagos. They will dodge. They will see you. They want to enter wrong road. They will see you, they will see you, they will see you, they will see you. Immediately you enter. You will bring camera. You know? That is not your father. <laughs> your father does not want you to enter into his rot. No! He doesn't. He doesn't want you to enter into his rot. Hallelujah. You have a loving father. Your father, what he does is that when you want to enter into that wrong road, it flashes signal in your spirit. It flashes signal in your spirit. If you did not follow that signal and you enter, it pained him. Can you see that? It pained him. But 
he doesn't have a choice because he hates sin. I get what I'm saying now. He pained him. But the next thing that he's doing is to tell you, turn back. Turn back. Turn back. Turn back. Can, you, can you see that? He will guide you because he's our guidance. He guides you back to the track. And when you return to the track, until he guides you to the track, he will not leave you. I can give you another example. Example of a sheep and a shepherd. Who among you will have hundred sheep and one go astray? Will not abandon the ninety-nine in the same place that they are and run after the one that is lost. And when he grabbed that lost one, he carried him on his shoulder. And do not that is the way shepherd is. He carries the lamp on on the shoulder and they take him back and give him treatment and give him care to re-establish him among the fold. That is the kind of father that we serve, not a school that. And that is the kind of father that will manifest power through us. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. 